Luca Nation, we yeah. went live uh, maybe a week, a week and change ago, and a lot of you guys were asking us comments saying, you know, we saw that, you know, Michael Rubin interview on Full Send. Can you talk to us, like, could you ask, you know, fanatics what they're going to be doing for the hobby? What did that mean, more marketing this year than in the last seven years combined, you know? With this reach, I think 80 million, you guys have email downloads, uh, email addresses. So you guys have this vast network, global network. And our audience wants to know, you know, kind of what's Fanatics going to do for the hobby when they come in? Cage comes from the standpoint, Cage has been ripping tops since he was, you know, four years old. He ripped tops right. with Ian last week. 1922. 1922 before, 30 years before tops was even invented, right? So Cage <laughs> has a million questions he's going to ask about collation, you know, overprinting, underprinting, <laughs> uh, you know, SPs, SSPs. He, he's going to have that. I'm going to okay. come in with a little bit more of a just kind of naive, you know, a true hobbyist collector, but not someone who rips off. But before we get into all of that, Tommy Who Fury is this dude? Paul. Who is this dude? Wait, wait, wait. We're a minute in. Who's this guy? Why don't you tell everybody who's on with us? Okay, we have Ben Taylor here from Fanatics. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we just, 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 ben Taylor here from Fanatics, everybody. Here you go. Here he I'm going to lead into that. Ben is from the UK. Ben has just an esteemed, esteemed background. He's worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. Before we get into any of that, Tommy Fury, Logan Paul. This is kind of an adversarial. This might be the rematch, right? USA versus UK. And two-part question. What did you think of the fight? The rematch of what? Logan? The Revolutionary War? What are we rematching? It, it was a little bit of that, Cage. It, it really was a bit of that. Are we going to have Tommy Fury, Logan Paul cards coming up? <laughs> I told you we're insane, Ben. <laughs> Look, I mean, if, if someone can get Logan Paul on the phone... Why not? But can, can anyone re can anyone reach Logan Paul's ticket price? I don't know if they can. We'll 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 have to see. So I like to start out as I always do, kind of putting the the guests on the hot seat. But this gentleman, Ben Taylor, you guys go Ben Taylor fanatics. You'll see his his resume is as esteemed as as it comes. So I always like to ask before I'll pass the cage. You know, he has some more articulate questions. I'm the no, I don't. He's the genius. <laughs> How did you find yourself here, Ben? How did you find yourself at fanatics? It's a great question. And I, you know, I ask myself that every morning. <laughs> uh, no. Um, so I, uh, I spent a long time working in, um, in advertising for, for big brands like Nike. Um, and uh, all, I, all I ever wanted to do was just work in sports. I was obsessed with sports as a kid, still am. And I just wanted to find a way to con someone into paying me to talk about sports all day, right? Like the rest of us, like that's just the dream. If I can't be a professional athlete, someone please pay me to talk about this stuff. Well, after and this then, interview, Nottingham Forest is going to come knock knocking. They're going to give you uh, a day. <laughs> true, true story. I actually, uh, I actually interned with Nottingham Forest back in the day. That's a funny reference that you make. Um, there you go. Look at that. There you go. Um, so I, yeah, I worked in advertising, did, did a bunch of stuff for Nike and then, uh, as a result of that, I, I kind of got this crazy opportunity to go and um, be one of the first people to join um, the the Yeezy team when when the a partnership with between Kanye and Adidas was formed, and and I was uh, the first uh, marketing person and went in to kind of work directly with Kanye and the team to build out what you know what Yeezy could look like. Um, naturally, because that you know was a pretty uh high profile situation um as a result of that i you know i worked with with kanye and adidas for for about three years 
did some amazing stuff. After that, took a little bit of a break. Um, and uh, since then, I've worked with some amazing brands and some amazing people. And by complete chance, John Wexler, who's over on the team here, um, he was just in the process of talking to fanatics about coming on board. And he, he said to them, you know, you should chat to Ben. And um, I had a couple of calls. Uh, I actually, the, they asked me to come out to, um, to Mint Collective last year in, in Vegas. And I got to sort of see, you know, see that. And um, it just sounded like fun. I don't know. That's, that's on, like honest answer. It sounded like fun. And I think initially I was going to be um, mostly focused, I guess, with my kind of sneaker background and was going to be more focused on the, on specifically the, the culture and entertainment stuff. And then um, as time went on, you know, got asked to jump in and, and look at uh, tops more broadly and, and Fanatic Spectacles more broadly. And here, here we are today. Is it still fun? Yeah, super fun. I mean, I mean, this this stuff we just launched for, for series one. I, I'm not. I, I'm I, I'm pretty transparent. I don't. Yep. You know, not not a big fan of, of BS. I'm not going to try and spin this for you. Genuinely, right? September last year, a group of us sat down and basically said we should just make the launch of series one the most fun baseball card launch ever. Like that's the whole point. Let's just have as much fun with it as we possibly can. Julio is going to be on the cover. Let's just have fun with it. And so we just made a bunch of stuff that, you know, from the actual, you know, the, the, the ad campaign and stuff down to like, we, I don't know if you guys have seen Top, Top's Ripped, but we launched a super fun editorial platform that's like very engaging and um, really just about educating people about how to get into, into cards. That was launched as part of this. We made some super, super fun content for our, our social channels. We got a bunch of athletes involved. So honestly, it's just, yeah, it's just been, it's been fun. I mean, obviously any situation like this with the way that, you know, we want to do things, some days are, you know, less fun than others, but yeah, man, we're, we're having a ball. So Ben, when do the cards become less trash? <clears throat> I mean, I know you're, not, you're the wrong person to ask, right? So, I mean, I got to ask, right? I mean, it sounds spectacular. I'm, Julio's in the kitchen cooking. You know, Julio's doing all this stuff. I mean, Julio's everywhere. Hey, Julio! So, I mean, he's everywhere, and it's great. I mm -hmm. love it. And, I mean, look, you got athletes involved. And clearly, if I wasn't somebody who was already in cards, I'd be looking. I'd be turning my head, which is your job. Right, your job mm -hmm. is to grow this, right? Your job is to, you know, get people who weren't collecting cards to think about Series 1 as this party. Look at all the athletes doing it. Look what Julio's doing, you know? I mean, biggest biggest bankable, you know, rookie in a while. Let's hope he doesn't turn into Joe Adele. Um, so in any event, he, you know, he looks like he'll do a little bit better. But I'm already here. And probably mm -hmm. the majority of people listening to this are already here. And it's great, the education on it, the social on it, that, you know, let's make it fun. But I opened the, the boxes with my son, and mm. I still got a fake hat relic trash garbage of somebody I don't even want. Um, both boxes I opened had the same exact garbage auto in it. Literally the same case had to, I pulled two jumbo boxes out with my son. It was not an auto he wanted in the first box and it was still not an auto he wanted in the second box. So I, you're not the guy. You're not doing quality control. You're not the one designing the cards. You're not the carving of tops. You're doing marketing, and I kudos to you on marketing. I guess my, my question becomes, you know, hot bench right off the bat. 
is what we can expect from fanatics just a whole bunch of marketing a whole bunch of athletes a whole bunch of bluster and and let's rah rah look at all the athletes we got involved and the cards are still gonna be trash when do we get to the cards man who's the lunatic now yeah you you guys really weren't fucking around were you yeah Uh, no not at all the cards are trash i i think you know like you said uh, I'm I'm not going to plead the fifth because I, I I am the, <laughs> I, I am the marketing guy. But we this year I think one of the things we realised is that if we're gonna if we're gonna grow the whole thing the way that Michael and, and other executives have said they're going to, um, we're not going to get anywhere near close to doing that if we don't make the the collector experience the people who are in it right now just make it much better than it is right and and some of those things are um i don't think uh some of the the issues are like individual people's fault i don't think people are doing a a bad job but it would be unfair to say like you know just to kind of trash tops in general there have been you know massive supply chain issues that everyone's had and you know there are issues with redemptions across the whole industry and there's all all kinds of stuff right yeah but we you know this year the the single while i get to talk about the shiny fun stuff the Mm -hmm. the single biggest thing that we're focusing on is is trying to improve the collector experience and and that looks like um really being honest about how to um uh enhance develop the, you know innovate on the product to to yeah. make a better product for collectors and it looks like a whole bunch of you know very important operational stuff that will make you know the actual production of the product better the the quality control better the consistency better the timing all of that stuff right ben i love you coming on you're facing a firing squad and i gotta give you credit man so, <laughs> I, I mean i, I you know I, I didn't mean to come at you all firing but i'm gonna do no, it no, anyway because you're, you're you're answering so here you go fanatics comes in and i gotta tell you everybody came in and said fanatics is gonna be great fanatics is in charge of all of the all the clothing right fanatics is all the jerseys fanatics is all the players fanatics is going to mm-hmm. be able to make this so that the stuff that they have going on now this garbage that exists in in the products these fake relics these relics we call them we get them from dicks right like you know hey this if this the the relic on this card is not from any specific event game person place thing animal mineral vegetable it might you might as well just not do anything with it right i mean why and so so fanatics coming in we're like all right well fanatics is going to big party 2023 series one big party and you have access to athletes and the choice Mm -hmm. was i guess access to athletes let's get julio and the other athletes involved but don't get them to wear a bunch of extra jerseys so that we can put them in the cards we're gonna put a manufactured hat relic that is not actually part of a hat so i don't know if you know the product at all but every box came with a relic Mm -hmm. which was not like someone made it in their basement it says a mm-hmm. manufactured hat relic that's not even part of a hat. It's like a weird, it's like supposed to be, I guess, like the brim of a hat or the piece of a hat, but it's like completely manufactured. So from the product standpoint, I don't want to hammer it home. You're not the product guy. Again, it's, um, you know, we're, we're having a party, but with the people who show up at the party and get to like sit down and eat at the party or take a drink at the party, it's like, you know, once you get there, the party's great outside. It's great. It's like the night of the Roxbury. Like we should make the line outside the party. We should make it really great out here. Mm-hmm. And, but then when you get in, the food tastes like shit. You're serving bottom shelf alcohol. And everybody got in and was like, this is what the hell I was waiting for? So anyway, that's just my thing. I get the, honestly get the easy part, right? I get to like 
we put out something cool we put out something that's fun you know we we go do the deal with the athlete and we put them in a commercial and blah blah you know that that stuff is is honestly the easy part and and i actually made a joke in a meeting that we we were having not so long ago that like you know someone was kind of giving giving marketing a, a pat on the back and i was like you know we're we're the wide receiver dancing in the end zone, right? You, you don't you don't see the offensive line, you don't see the running back, you don't you know you, we 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 get the easier part of the gig. What I'll say is, yeah, of course, like because of that, it's significantly easier for me to go and make something you know that I think is is um, entertaining and enjoyable around the launch of this product, which is a super important product and you know sets the tone for the rest of the year if people feel like series one is moving in the right direction then hopefully that makes people more confident in what's going to come throughout the year but those things can i I can just go and do that right to change some of these other things requires a massive amount of work and investment and that stuff is happening it's just harder i think for people to see that right so like you know you're not gonna see on tops instagram or whatever you're not going to see us going into detail on the the quality control process development that's happened right you, you you're not you're not going to that work is there are hundreds and hundreds of people doing that stuff behind the scenes compared to you know 20 people who work with me making making the stuff that everyone sees and talks about so you know i i i take your point i think it, it it's kind of easy to say you know, oh yeah, cool. We're doing good marketing, but the rest of it sucks. The stuff that that you think sucks is really hard to fix. Like really hard to fix. So that that you know, I don't know. Uh, people can choose to take it however they want to take it. All I can say, you know, to you guys and and, and to the listeners, I guess, is like, you know, that that work's happening, and and people will start to see improvements to the product, new product innovations that they'll start to see the impact of that work. It's just hard, you know, those people don't, who are doing that work don't get the credit and, and it's much harder to do than me going, you know, let's have Julio do a Bob Ross parody. So I'll explain to you guys listening and to you, Ben, why Cage is asking those questions. So, I mean, this is three years into our podcast. You start, you sort of, just like in marketing, you kind of learn who your ideal customer persona is, right? Remember that whole exercise? And I think we figured out that we're never going to be clickbaity. We're just going to speak to the collector. Cage is a collector. I want to learn how to be a collector. That's our audience. Our audience isn't a lot of first time in the hobby. We we don't do a lot of that shock and all, you know, ripping packs and, yeah. and, you know, kind of getting in front of people. So that's why for a collector, they care so much about product, right? They, they actually think, you know, Naval Ravikant says you only sell because you can't market, you only market because you don't have a good product. Mm-hmm. The, the collector just thinks that the, the product will market itself. You almost don't even have to say a word. So I got to ask you, though, coming from mm-hmm. sneakers. Good. By the way, you, very, very well done, Andrew. Exactly amazing. right. Exactly amazing. right. Thank amazing. Uh, amazing. <laughs> coming from sneakers, were releases as highly criticized as well? Like were people. Oh, who, my know, God. Dude. I, I mean, this is why, honestly, like. Um, I get it. Like when we released a pair of Yeezys every Saturday, do you know how many tens of millions of people thought that me and the people I worked with 
were the worst human beings on the face of the earth because they couldn't get their shoes or that the shoe shipped late or whatever, you know, whatever the problem was. Like Ben, you worked on Yeezy, so he's gonna be I have all the faith in the world in him, Andrew. Those are hideous shoes, but obviously they're very (laughs) successful. People people say they're the most comfortable shoes they've ever worn. My son has them. I spent so much money on a pair of Yeezys for him, and then he went DEFCON or whatever it is he did, and I can't let him wear them anymore. So it was a whole thing. I mean, straight straight up, we're talking we're talking 20, 30, 40, 50 million people. Yeah. People love them. Not not getting their stuff on a Saturday morning. Um, and that was our fault. So like when, uh, you know, this is at the end of the day, like we, we, we get to like, you know, you guys making the pod, me doing this job, whatever we get to talk about stuff that people are super passionate about. And I would much rather spend my time talking about stuff that people were super passionate about than trying to convince people that they should care about, I don't know, dishwasher pods or whatever do you know what i mean like the, i'm taking it really, out on you ben i applied well, for a job it, at fanatics last year and i didn't even hear back so, so. talk about convincing <laughs> people so one of our most viral clips i mean we, we don't have a huge audience ten thousand ish followers on you on instagram but this one probably got like 300 maybe 400 comments at this point cage said look in argentina they're wearing messy jerseys they're not running around with messy cards so i think this would scratch your itch and kind of like this might be something you soccer cards or sports cards globally right so we know sports cards work in america do you Mm. guys in fanatics kind of talk about how do we make this a global business yeah definitely definitely and i think it it, it's but that doesn't necessarily mean um i don't think it necessarily has to mean the same the exact same product right like i think it should it should be this the the thing that we make I think has way more relevance um, outside of the US than than maybe the the trading card industry has been able to kind of support. So like you know, I grew up in the UK. I collected um, I collected uh, soccer stickers, um, Premier League, World Cup. You know, every World Cup, I was like trying to do the whole album. Those things are huge, right? Um, and then you see other types of products, you know, like in, uh, in Europe, um, yeah, we have a product called match attacks. There's an F1 version that's super popular among, uh, among kids. Um, I think we're, we're basically talking about these, these properties, whether you're talking about a sport or you're talking about star Wars or, or whatever it might be that people are obsessed with and i think the the thing that i love about the product there you go um the thing that i love about the product is like it's the it it's one of the sort of uh purest and most engaging ways to like indulge how much you love star wars or um baseball or golf or whatever right and i think that is something that translates and and could easily become a more a more global thing but i also don't think it's necessarily you know you don't want to like i mean i've had this a lot in my in my career um before maybe soccer was as popular as it, it here here in the us as it is now you know i used to get briefed all the time like oh how do we make people love soccer or how do you make 
people in the UK love baseball or whatever. And, you know, that sometimes those things translate really well. And or there's a moment in time, right? Like the, Netflix, the F1 Netflix show, perfect timing, really cool product packaged up really nicely. And then bam, like lights of fire. And now people who had no interest in F1 are now like in love with F1. And then what we get to do is we get to make a great product that's like connected to that thing that people are now in love with. But yeah, like I said, I don't think it's as, I think it would kind of be lazy to be like, oh, we're just going to take the exact same thing and assume that it works perfectly in the UK or China or Brazil or wherever, because, you know, there's something really cool about opening a pack of cars and seeing an autograph. Cool. That's, that feels like maybe that's a thing that could be universal, right? As fans, we love to see those things, but maybe there are other things that just don't translate. And so you, you don't need to make the exact same thing for everybody. People so dip French to... fries in different things in different parts of the world. I like it. Different it's borders. It's, 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 very it's, true. Calm chips. So I'm trying whatever. to put myself in the boardroom, right? And the biggest dilemma I would see is, is this. And tell me if you guys discuss this, you think about this, right? So you're a business, you have shareholders, so you have to make profit. To make profit, you have to sell items. Inventory, right? And the more you sell, in theory, the more you make, especially if your cost of goods doesn't go up astronomically. So you try to sell and release as much product as possible. The collector knows that that devalues product, right? So you're kind of always towing this tightrope of let's release enough product to fulfill the demand, but not overpopulate yeah. with too many cards, products, autographs. How do you think about that? What's like the, what are the discussions? If you could kind of give me a peek behind the curtain there. Well, I mean, I think it's an ongoing process with, um, with Fanatics Collectibles and I don't want to sort of speak on behalf of other people's strategy necessarily, you know, but what I can give you a pretty good parallel from, from my past, right? So we talked about Yeezys. When they first came out, um, honestly, supply chain issues limited the amount of product that we could get out. So it was a very small amount of product. Um, they disappeared extremely quickly. And that made a, a very small subset of people really happy, the people who got them. And it made other, other people really angry, everyone who didn't, right? And uh, so we knew, as you said, completely accurately. As a business, um, we're in a we're in a kind of corporate environment. These things exist to make money, right? Of course. So, you, what we had to kind of balance was introducing more products to the market to be able to generate more money, to be able to satisfy more customers, but also not to bring so much stuff into the market that. Um, it uh, you know devalued it and made it less interesting for everyone because the second it becomes less interesting for the that core community, then you've lost. It's dead at that point, right? Like it's gone. So like if we ever got to the point where it, we lost the core collecting community, like well then you're not gonna two x, five x, ten x, a thousand x anything, right? You've lost the the core community that drives it. And what we did, and I would imagine this would be kind of a, uh, a,
common sense path that we would go down with Fanatics Collectibles is we got to a point where we had <clears throat> different types of products to serve different types of, of people in different types of ways. So there would be products that were uh, in the sneaker world uh, much more scarce, maybe a little bit more kind of uh, niche in their, in their design. Some people would have said, you know, out there and, and not for everybody. But the, the purpose of those things was, hey, there's actually, we have a, collect, uh, a community of fans who are really interested in super design forward stuff. And to them, if everyone has this, it's less interesting. If everyone has a Louis Vuitton bag, it's less interesting. So we made things that were, you know, very deliberately, a little more scarce, um, a little more design forward to satisfy that audience. But then the other end, there's 150 million kids in the world who just want a pair of 350s. So, hey, we're going to try and make 350s as democratic as possible and serve those people's needs without ruining it for everyone else. And I think that's probably a, a pretty decent parallel to where we're at here, right? The core community is everything to this thing. So the, the core product has to be better. But we also need to find ways of creating products that you know really excites you guys and your listeners but also someone who's completely new to this who just saw you know julio rodriguez as bob ross or whatever on tiktok is like oh how do i get into this oh cool i can go into target i can find my latest my, my local hobby shop and i'm just going to go buy this thing and it's accessible to me because the the flip side of um I would say like one of the challenges we have right now and I totally hear you on the like oh they're just going to flood the market and I would say that right now we actually have a problem where if you're new to this thing you know you haven't got there's nothing you can start with there's nowhere to start because the product you know everything kind of moves through the ecosystem so quickly and then the, there are there are kind of guardrails up like if you're new you haven't got a clue what a a breaker is or you haven't got a clue if you're paying like a retail price or a resale price you don't know right and then you're seeing these cards that you know is this thing worth money is it not worth money you don't even know where to start so i think that's a long-winded way of saying where we need to get to is that yeah like everyone fanax collectibles um hobby shops uh the community in general probably will benefit if we can bring more people into this ecosystem. But we don't do that just by flooding it. That's not like how Fanatics Collectibles wants to do it, for sure. Um, and it's so It's a combination, be, right? It's a right, combination. It's going to be like, exactly, like you, you want to be able to have some things that are accessible. And so the nature of them being accessible means there's going to be more of it in the market. But that doesn't necessarily mean you know in that world then the positioning of that product is not hey this is all about the chase or the hits or the you know whatever it's just about hey come and come and experience cards and get your starting cards and then you work your way through and you start out with something really kind of accessible like you know getting a kid into big league baseball or whatever and then oh cool series one chrome or bowman or whatever you know you kind of each of those things should take you on a slightly different journey 
I cut all the way to the end, Ben, and I, I mean I love it, right? So I mean, a great sentence that I that I heard, probably someone from Fanatics said it, was that uh, all collectors are fans, but not all fans are collectors. And what we're trying to do is, yeah. you know, trying to you know get all those fans to become collectors, or at least go after a larger segment of the fans and turn them into collectors. I guess if you follow that. You know, then marketing somebody like Julio, marketing the players, putting that stuff out there is a way to get the fans more engaged, to be more knowledgeable about it, to throw more education towards what is a breaker, what is the hobby, what is yeah. retail, where do you buy it, what is the pricing, what can you expect. I, I, my my you know first five minutes in this was I skipped over all of that, and yeah, it'd be great. We we do all of that stuff. It would it would be fantastic. We'd do more more shows and more content to educate those new people who are fans and not yet collectors to come in and buy the stuff. I get to the end chapter of the book, and it's I'm doing this with people, right? I'm doing this with with kids in my son's class. I'm doing this with you know literally yeah. dads and moms, and I get them to a point where they're like, oh yeah, your your son really likes the cards, and I have to say. Not really. You know what I mean? Like we're at that point where, where the missing part of the equation and what I guess a lot of people were hoping for fanatics to be able to do was use their vast, you know, uh, network of, of memorabilia and access to the athletes and the whole thing. And I'm sure that'll happen, right? It's not going to happen on day one, but right now we can do all of this stuff. Even if it was all being executed perfectly and we were doing content Mm. about what a breaker is and you name it, what my concern is, is if, if it all falls the right way, all those dominoes, Ben, you, everything you put in works great, right? And and we get all of the mechanisms in place and we get a whole bunch of, you know, floodgates, baseball season, Julio, you know, his whole campaign. And, and collector, fans who weren't collecting want to come collect. They open a box of tops right now, it's going to be the last box they ever open. That's my concern. That's not true. They go to Wawa. They're not even buying a box. They're buying a pack. Okay. And what they are they getting? They saw Julio on TV. Or what are they getting? It's I'm telling you, Andrew. Collector's Choice cards in the 90s. Yes, and, and what would that do? It, I, I think it's a great drug. example. It's a, it's a gateway drug, not to use that word ga- drug, but like it's a gateway. You open one pack, you're like, okay, this is probably not the pack I should open and spend all my money on, but it's kind of fun. Oh, look, I got this 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 base card of Julio. It's $4.99. It's $9.99. It, it's, it's step one, not step 10. Okay, so what's step two? Come on, you, you, gateway drugs. What are you talking right? about? You're t- you got it. You the this. gateway drugs are great. I, we're going to talk about the gateway drugs. You are the guy I should go to about this. But eventually, you start smoking the opium, which is what you do, right? So once you get up there, where's the value? And we are all drug addicts, and we all wind up strung out on fake hat relics. So Ben and his team are going to do a great job. And my my kids' little league team is gonna come in and say, "What the hell is this? It's a piece of the hat." And they're gonna flip the card over and say, "No, it's not. It's a piece of my butt." So kids I, don't talk like this. Do you? Do you have you? Yeah, with they say this product's mid. I have. I <laughs> opened it. I opened it with them, and they all said it was mid. What would make the product one. not mid? Shiny for some cage. They want to open Pokemon instead, and this is gonna be the biggest battle that these guys are gonna have. They want to open Pokemon because it's shiny and it's cool and yeah, it's and something you know what? different. That's, that's, that, like. I don't think I don't think anyone um, that I work with is is running away from that that fact, right? Like if you look at just how excited kids are about products like Pokemon, like there's no denying that we have a ton to learn from what they do. And I think the reality is, right, that this thing 
there are lots of things about trading cards uh, that haven't changed for a really long time. And that's what makes it great. Yep. So let me say that to start off with. But there are also lots of things that about trading cards that haven't changed for a really long time. And that's what makes it less engaging uh, potentially for for a kid when the alternative is, you know, something like something like Pokemon. So for us, like, I don't really see that as like, that's just a, a uh, something for us to learn from and think about. And like, you know, there's no point burying, in, burying your head in the sand and going like, oh man, <laughs> if only big league baseball was Pokemon. Well then let's, let's figure that out. What makes Pokemon so fun? Like there's, that's a, that's an amazing product. We'd be, We'd be crazy if we were just like, oh, we're never going to be able to do that. And it's not Why attacking. Not? What I'm saying well, yeah. here is makes sense. You know, I mean, what I'm saying to these guys is we want to help. We want to help. Well, if it doesn't make sense to you, you should get a different job. Maybe. And I want to ask it. I want to clarify. So, and uh, Ben, I want to ask you about the event you're having right now in Arizona and sort of cut. Kind of, well, mm. we'll get into that. How for that with influencers. So, so stay with us. But Cage, I guess the not the hypocrisy, but it's like you kind of want your ass on two toilet seats. When this whole thing was happening a few years ago with like the changing of the guard, the collector said, we, we, we need tops. Tops is such yeah. a legacy brand. It's so correct. We need that paper, that, that, yeah. that standard tops. So on one hand, you don't want a lot of innovation. You just want kind of the status quo. On the other hand, what you're saying is, Hey, make these products shiny and cool. And, and, and can you, can you connect the dots for me there? Me? Kid? Yeah, yeah, please. easy. If the goal of fanatics is to get more people in, then the secondary goal of fanatics should be putting out a product that those people, when they come in, are actually going to want. That's what easy. does that look like? It's going to look like different things in different locations, just like Ben said. It might not look the same in Europe as it looks like here. I don't know whether Europe's ever going to be a market for for Series One baseball. You know what I mean? It may be regional products. I mean, Fanatics has the ability to do so much cool stuff by still maintaining the same stuff. You know what I mean? Like maybe maybe they're doing certain things in the Northwest with Northwest teams. Maybe they're doing certain things out there. They have separate releases, separate products. Who the hell knows, man? I mean, if I can't give them all my free stuff, I'm sure they got focus groups and ways to do it to bring everybody in. But besides that, Look, there is a way to do this, right? There is a way to maintain the legacy of the brand. A lot of things the product has are cool, right? A lot. I love that it's 2023, and 90% of people watching this or listening to this, you know, because I mentioned it once before, they kept the little picture, you know, the second picture of the player on the card. Like that is an 03 thing. When it's a three year, there's a second picture. You go back to 83, you've seen it. We talk about Tony Gwynn's rookie card, Andrew, right? There's a little picture, a circle picture of Tony Gwynn on the card. The threes maintain that. They can still keep that and keep the, the purists of the hobby happy. And there's something, there's a throwback. Someone like me who was 11 years old when 1988 Tops came out, this year's harken back to 88 Tops with the 88 design, with autographs with the 88 design, and the silver packs having 88 Tops card design in it. That's a cool thing. It's, But that's cool for me. That's a nice little nod to the old fogies like myself. What are you putting in? And they're doing stuff. Listen, it's not to suggest- say they're not, right? There's the shiny silver packs, which have like mojo looking things on them. They're the extra stuff. They listen, right? Those silver packs were just a boon for for um, you know, for the LCSs. They were getting them in stacks and they were selling them or they were hoarding them and opening them themselves. Now they're inside the box. Just small fixes like that are actually good things. That said, I mean, my thought. 
and this is a very easy one here, at least for me, I'm not behind the scenes. I don't, I don't deal with jerseys is if fanatics is in charge of tops, at least my thought by this point, and maybe it happens next year, or maybe it happens in two years is that there'd be more of a memorabilia spin in it that we'd have less of what you know people make fun of panini for it right because it's like oh look at what we have here there's a lot of redemptions and this is not game used right there's no game used stuff in this anymore there's no more it's not even event used not even player used right and we've had the whole rip the thing off and see it's a per- the wrong person's name or it's got no person's name or whatever it may be right so so it doesn't have to be a top series one. It doesn't have to be this year. But at least my thought was, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who thought this, with, with Fanatics coming in with what their brand was, th- the easiest way to elevate it by and still maintain it the same would be to, to reverse that trend, right? It would be to bring it back towards making those relics actually mean something. Have them have an attachment to the person who's actually on the card. That difficult? I mean, I guess so. I have so, my objection from a business standpoint because there's twofold, right? The My cost of goods goes up drastically and my ability course. to put out product goes down. Great. I, I will say, right, when I when I started uh, last year, I, I, I chatted to David Liner and um, he said, uh, you won't believe how difficult it is to make trading cards and being a complete you know idiot and completely naive i was like (laughs) i made sneakers with you know whoever this stuff's going to be easy making trading cards is insane insane give us a peek so like just the level of like complication like even if you even if you just took a base card right the amount of the number of individual people who have to not physically touch the base card, but like have to have a uh, uh, a role in in mm-hmm. putting that thing to eventually being in a pack of cards and landing in a in a hobby shop is insane. And you're talking about like like obviously design, image sourcing, licensing the image, working with the PAs and the leagues, getting everything approved, getting it through legal. For an entire set of cards, then then you're looking for you're you're doing the relics and the autos. If you're doing autos, you're having to, you know, you're having to have individual relationships with, you know, potentially hundreds of people and have them sit down in a physical place and actually, you know, do a thing. It's insane. And then those things all have to be consolidated into one place. They have to be, you know, handled with extreme care. They have to be packed really carefully. All of it is actually insane, like bananas. And so, one thing I would say is like, you know, and trust me, like I'm a I'm a a, a customer of many other things, and I get super frustrated when the the stuff isn't you know as good as I hope it's going to be. The one thing I would say is like, uh, hopefully people can choose to take this or not, but like. We're trying to work on all this stuff. It's really complicated. It's really complicated. It takes a really long time. And even if you just look just like brass tacks, right? Before I joined, uh, Fanatics Acquired Tops, what was that, January last year? Mm-hmm. We're not even really like a full product cycle into 
fanatics and tops working together, really. Um, and so a lot of these things, you know, as you get later into this year, you're going to start seeing material changes, not literally material changes, although maybe you will, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> you'll start seeing, you know, some of this stuff start to get addressed. And then you'll see it scaled in a bigger way to more products. And also, you know, to the, to the point about, you know, memorabilia and things that Fanatics has access to and things that Fanatics can pull off. I can't say what they are. It probably won't be me who says what they are, but there are some really, <laughs> really, really cool uh, innovations coming to the product in that area that I think people are going to be psyched about. And there'll be like a good proof point for exactly some of the things that you you brought up, Cage. And and I think people are going to be psyched when like in the not too distant, hopefully next couple of months, we'll be able to sort of start telling people what those are, but um, I, that stuff is happening. It's just it, it, uh, genuinely like it blew my mind how complicated it is to make these things. And so I would just say like, we're really trying, like it's not even my job and I feel the frustration of it. Ben, I love um, you. Listen, don't, don't <laughs> so, so here's the thing, right? So, and Andrew's right. Like I speak for the, the curmudgeon, you know, binder crowd. I speak for people who have been here for a long time and that's not really fanatics general audience. And, and, you know, I, I get that. And, uh, you know, to grow this and to make it better for people like me is a great thing. And I know fanatics will do great stuff. And just the last couple of minutes, guys, if, if you want to go back and listen to it, people like me who've never been inside of a card factory and have no idea about the process, the procedure behind it. It's actually, it's fun. And it's, it's fun to hear Ben talk about how when he came into it, he's like, ah, this is nothing, you know, like just make the cards. And when you actually get to peek, you know, with Willy Wonka behind the factory, behind, you know, when you get behind the curtains a little bit and you see, Oh my God, look what goes into this. It's probably a lot more than just, the the idiot sitting here in front of you here me thinks it is and i get that and andrew your point is 100 percent right too right you don't want to slow down production these guys are looking to ramp up production they're looking to expand it and get it in the hands of more people and the things that i'm trying to do are gonna you know make it more expensive and make it more costly and make it tougher to do that and i get that trust me yeah, and but, that's a balance but it's right? gonna make it it's gonna make it a better product right and and we're not i definitely wouldn't say the the goal of fanatics is just as like blast more of this stuff like you 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 both said this earlier on right it all starts with having a great product and so first and foremost you've got to make a great product so that's that's the biggest focus making it a better product for collectors making a better experience for collectors and then if we do that you can you can do all this other stuff too um one of the challenges and one of my dreams yeah, yeah, is yeah. actually to be behind the scenes at a manufacturing plant. But if you think about it, you actually have to make the product twice, right? You have to print the product, then you have to ship it out to the player to sign it. Then you have to get it back and then you have to package it, which is unique to this industry. But we could come back to product. I do want to move to marketing because we spent 45 yeah. minutes on product. Ben's expertise is marketing. And I'm curious, how do you think about your influencer marketing? I'll open it up there. We could get more specific because some people are like, these guys have been in the hobby for two years. You should use this guy who's 94 years old to market our product. But you're like, this guy has 100,000 followers. Anyway, how do you think about influencer marketing? I kind of look at it the, the, the same way that I, I talked about product before. It's like there are – I've been – I've been doing this for a really long time and I've worked with, you know, 
someone who at that point in time was probably the most famous person on the planet. And I've worked with, um, with companies that could never in their, in their wildest dreams work with someone that high profile. And so you have to work with smaller people. You have to tap into more niche communities or whatever. Right. And I think, um, uh, our approach to it is, um, the reality of the world is that, um, influencer marketing or community marketing really is is one of the most important ways of of getting your brand and your product out there and it, those people are hence the name hugely influential they shape the conversation and they shape people's enjoyment of it and they can in a lot of cases decide whether or not something is good or bad and you can debate you know uh whether that's right or wrong but um that's the reality of it. And so I think the way that uh, the way that I look at it is there are I'm not a huge fan of the the phrase the hobby because it just sort of like blanket groups together probably the most diverse group of types of fans you're ever going to meet and in this one thing it's like oh yeah it's just the hobby we're just doing stuff for the hobby or it, you're talking about people with vastly different interests and, and vastly different motivations. And so for us, if, if, if you work off the assumption that influencer marketing is just a, a good thing to do strategically as a business, which I think we all would, you're going to need to be working with different types of influencers in different types of ways. So like I'll talk about, myself as a, a sort of self-proclaimed uh, uh, golf nerd, right? I, if you were to uh, show me like the Barstool pod or Good Good or any of these like, or, or do perfect, or that stuff, you'll turn me off in five seconds flat. Don't ever show it to me. I'm not interested, like not for me. But if you show me like the, the person with 5,000 followers, who's like, let me just take you on the deepest nerdiest tour of like how Tiger did this at Riviera. I'm like, you got me, let's go. You're a Tiger so fan, not a Rory McIlroy? I mean, I'm old. I mean, I'm 97 was like incredible for me and like that was the point the point where i got interested in golf so rory came later but like rory's probably younger than me I, he's saying not all content is, is the same it's not cookie cutter man he might like he might like you know no laying up while you're liking impulsive you know so it's right easy. so like the the what what really our job is is to understand you know who are the who are the collectors first and foremost who are the who are the communities what do they rally around? And then who are the people who have the most credible voice in that space? And sometimes that's going to be someone with a massive kind of, you know, loudspeaker mouthpiece doing really outrageous, you know, stuff. And then other times it's going to be something completely different because your fan of Star Wars Cosmic Chrome is completely different to your fan of like, you know, Series one or whatever. The last two weeks, probably 10 people have reached out to us and like, we love what you're doing with Luca Nation Network. We see DPZ doing the Collector Series. We see Cage doing Black Jaded Wolf on Cage. We want to create a show under your umbrella. 
So there's all this mm-hmm. desire out there of people who've been in the hobby 20, 30, 40 years who've just never understood yeah. how to create a show. They want to start creating content and right, sharing what they've learned. How, what do you look for when working with those people? Well, like I said, I think it varies depending on like what product we're talking about or, or um, the type of content that, that that person is making. But first and foremost, I think they probably have to be making uh, content that is compelling to someone, to an audience. And um, they need to be growing an audience in doing that. And the audience doesn't need to be huge, but like the, the content and the angle that they're bringing to it needs to be compelling enough to um, to grow an audience. And I would say that's the case for anyone who wants to be a content creator in basically any form of life, right? Like if you're not creating something that's compelling and you don't have a means to connect with an audience, then you're not a content creator, you're me making bad golf YouTube videos for myself to watch back, right? <laughs> um, it's a it's a it's a it's a different thing. What I think the reality is, and and all of this is fluid, right? Because you've got fanatics coming in. Fanatics, I think, initially had a very strong point of view on types of people that should be part of this ecosystem, and then tops, you know, adds a different layer to that. There are people that tops has worked with for a really long time. I think, like, the honest answer is. It's not something we've we've formalized. It's really like who's making something that's interesting to an audience, and is there an opportunity for us to work with them? And do those people represent, um, you know, the values that we have as a company and the things that we want to say? And sometimes we're going to get that right, and let's be honest, sometimes we're going to get that completely wrong, and that's the reality of of the world. Is like we we're probably going to make some things that people enjoy and we're going to make some stuff that you know really doesn't work and we're going to have to deal with those things and i think one of the things that we're definitely talking about internally is like formalizing that process a little bit more and also i would say because i know that i get it like people see uh a, a backyard or whoever right and the assumption is like Fanatics is best friends with them doing all this stuff. Correct. Or um, that I need to I dance, that's, right? I took getting good fanatics. I, I need to be yeah. a dancer. I need to do like something. We people want to know. People, you know. And and not to sort of diminish the value of dancing, because <laughs> clearly maybe that's a thing you could do here. Um, you know, like is, uh, if it, if it's an illustrative point, I'm talking to you guys. I've never had a conversation with Backyard like that. You know, it's not like we're like hanging out doing stuff together all the yeah time. but as That's soon as we stop recording you're going right. back to fanatics and like i'm never talking to those guys I, ever again <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm going dancing with whoever plus. uh no um gotta go uh, dance with plus what <laughs> what we're what we're gonna try and, and and kind of build out a little bit more is actually for people who who have been doing exactly what you said oh i've been in this for 30 years and i actually don't we're going to try and build out some programs where if those people actually are super authentic, really compelling, really knowledgeable, that we can create outlets for them, whether that's like, hey, you know what? The best the best advice we can give you is buy this type of camera, this, you know, have this type of setup and or these are the types of content, you know, that we see work really well or 
hey, have you thought about being on TikTok? So we're going to try and build out a program that helps help some of those people get their start and build their audiences and, and get a little bit more, more access to us. So, you know, for example, we just did a really, um, uh, really great experience in Arizona for um, spring training where we had hundreds of, of uh, athletes are out there come through and sign their cards and hang out and, and it was a really good time. That's the perfect thing that in future, people that we, you know, some of the, the kind of more up and coming or, or, you know, content creators that are just starting, starting out, like we want to be able to give them access to that and they can, you know, we'll bring them out. They can come and see how we make content and then they can learn how to do it too. And I think, you know, formalizing it is probably like an important step in the process. And there's just, yeah, it's, it's a thing that's on the list. If you're on the other end listening and you, you fall into this bucket, my advice to you is don't judge your day one by someone else's day 50. You know, uh, the people no. you see oftentimes, you know, they've been doing it for a while. And you, you, what often happens is your comparison to where they are is what keeps you where you at stage zero. So just start 100%. and you will iterate and improve. Let me ask you, and I'll pass the cage of this. What do you collect? What do you like to collect? Um, I have been, so I've been trying to uh, find my way back into, into cards. I mentioned before when I was a kid, you know, I did stickers pretty heavily and um, was pretty obsessed with that. And, and I also, while I grew up in the UK, I was a huge um, NBA fan and none of that nice. stuff was accessible. You know, this was like pre-internet, right? So, um, none of that stuff was accessible. So like when I managed to get my hands on a pack of upper deck, you know, whatever, I was like treasured that stuff. And, um, you know, my five, five really crappy cards were like the most important thing that I owned. So in the last, in the last sort of nine months, I've been trying to get back into it. And so I've kind of dipped my toe a little bit into, into golf, trying to find some tiger stuff. I've been, uh, I'm kind of into tennis and someone on the team kind of helped educate me a little bit about old Serena stuff and, uh, Federer and Rafa Nadal and all that. So I, I'm kind of like Alcaraz is where getting you up go, to speed. <laughs> Alcaraz is obviously the guy, but like, I mean, are those the cards? Well, TBD, I guess, Someone right? posted on their IG that they are, so they were it's like... It's funny, Ben. You're, uh, you're coming in and you're, I mean, it, without even realizing it, as part of the marketing of it, you're coming in and, and as a collector or trying to get a, be a collector, you find that how hard it is yeah. to come in, the barrier to entry to become a collector. Oh, it's so know? hard. It's so hard. And I, I, I even, um, when I was kind of chatting to fanatics i went to i kind of just google maps like where's a couple of hobby shops and i walked in and i didn't have i didn't have a clue what i was looking at I, I didn't and i walked around no one really said anything to me and i walked out and i was like damn if that you know i'm trying to get a job doing this and and i came out of this feeling like maybe this isn't for me so if you're if you're net new it can definitely be uh, a different kind of experience so yeah i've been i've been kind of just trying to pick up i don't know i i've actually my 
my evenings usually after I put my kids to bed, I'm like down an eBay hole looking at like old Simpsons, old, you know, I'll just random stuff. Cause honestly, some of the stuff that tops um, made back in the day is right, right in my lane. And I, <laughs> um, it's just, it's just interesting to see like, and I know like that era is considered to be like horrific just because of the amount of cards that were made and how, you know, questionable they were, but like, to me, it's kind of interesting to see, like, oh wow, like every movie that came out had a had a car product. Like, definitely every sports league, a lot of TV shows, a lot. Of, it's just interesting to see, like, how it went back the other way, and then now, honestly, you know, with some of the stuff we're doing with in in the culture and entertainment space, you know, we want to we want to see if we can do that again with Stranger so, Things or things. Whatever. So you mentioned it perfectly because I, I say Fanatics is coming in, you know, when you bought, I mean, talk about a frothy market, you know, when, when the licensing were being bought and the whole nine yards and you compare it, you're looking back at a time where it was frothy previously, you know, that, that late eighties, early nineties, that boom. Yeah. Um, and then you saw kind of where, you know, what happened at that. I love that you're looking at that era in cards because I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from that era and yeah. how the business has exploded and, you know, maybe try to try are to do saying, it a little differently. Are you saying that? Are you saying that Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, didn't need its own trading card product? I mean, listen, that was a big movie. But what it did need, it did need a better toy set. So a lot of people don't know this. The Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves village, the toy was actually the Ewok village. They had extra Ewok villages from Return of the Jedi. They actually repurposed the Ewok village and used it for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves toys. I'm just throwing that out there for the folks around. I mean, you, you can't get by the fat guy here. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this one because I actually mm. I, I gave you a hard time. I loved the Julio Rodriguez release because my Thank son you. knew Series One was coming out. So that is that. There's the answer, right? So he while he might not have loved the cards that we hit, he knew to ask me when we were going to get our box of series one, which I mean, he's nine, you know, maybe part of it is he's getting older and understanding things, but this was the first year he said to me, Hey, when are we getting our box of 2020, 2020? When are we getting our first box of tops for this year? I saw Julio Rodriguez. He, he knows who Bob Ross is too. So that was actually pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but that's a good release. I like that. I, and I give you credit for Thank it. Thank you. My question then becomes with the calendar now starting to heat up the world starting to heat up the hobby world i know you want to call it that starting to heat up you have mint collective you have mm-hmm. national coming up is there anything we should be on the lookout from fanatics anything you are able to tell us i know some people like to drop like secrets you know but but you know anything we should be on the lookout for from a marketing side for fanatics in these next couple of hobby events as they come down the pipe um we yeah we're going to be at, at mint uh, Mint and and the national, obviously. Uh, I think if people, I I love like the show experience and like in in my previous life, like I loved um, sneaker shows and sneaker cons and complex con and all that kind of stuff. Like I love building stuff for people to come and you know experience and play with. So like those those things are right on my alley. So if anyone saw kind of how we approached Zero Call at the National, which was very um, uh, immersive and like, you know, good design and fun experience and um, unique product, uh, we're going to take some of those, um, you know, some of the things we learned from doing that and combine it with some of the stuff that, you know, Tops does so well at, at shows, the way that they get the crowd, you know, hyped up with the, you know, pack grips and, um 
box wars and stuff. And so you'll see, I think, really fun combination of those worlds at, at Mint and at the National. Um, and then more kind of maybe not everything to quite the same the same scale, but we just want to um, the way that people kind of felt about Series One and got excited about the release of that. We want to try and bring a little bit more of that. So <clears throat> more stuff with with our athletes, um, uh, fun stories, interesting content. You know, that's 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 really what we're we're trying to do. Um, we're looking at uh, if anyone has experienced the tops truck in the past, like that shows up all over the place, all around the country. We've got big plans for that this summer. So that'll be really fun. Um, and then uh, I should say international trading card day um, is really going to be kind of blown out a lot more this year. There's a lot more involved with it. A bunch of stuff happening in all the ballparks. Uh, what day week. is that? It's is it August around? 5th international so trading card day international trading card day which actually like uh I, was a, a new one on me but uh really gets a lot of excitement in hobby shops uh and the, the mlb teams love it like they love it they just want to do more and more around international trading card day so um there'll be a lot of stuff happening in that and then i would say as well you know i kind of hinted at it before but there's some really cool it's not i will help announce it but like some product innovations that are coming that are really, really, really fun. Perfect. Look for these guys. Look for fanatics. I mean, yeah. listen, go ahead. I want to thank you because this probably isn't your typical interview. Uh, no. Also, oh, I, like I understand working in a big organization, there are things you can say, there's things that you want to say, but you can't just yet. So I want to thank you for kind of coming in and, you know, taking taking the interview head on and, and you know not dodging any questions so I, I really really do appreciate it uh cage any final words before we of wrap course. up i got one last one for ben so ben i gave you a hard time and i think the audience um and the collectors expect a lot from fanatics and that's probably why i asked the questions the way that i did you know i i think fanatics should take that as a challenge i think they should take it as hey wow you know people are really expecting big things from us. You know, our brand is one where, you know, people do expect us not only to come in and save the hobby, blow the hobby up seven times and, and, you know, make it better and bring more people in and make the product better. I mean, just perfect world, rainbows and unicorns and dogs and cats living together, all that fun stuff. My, my, my final comment is this. If you want to, everybody's asking for a bunch from fanatics. What can the people listening to us do? What is their pull? What would, if fanatics could ask something of the collecting hobby, of the people listening to this, what would you ask them? Be open-minded, give you time, anything, open-ended. Yeah, I think, honestly, it's just like... Um, Be more welcoming to new hobby participants, tell a cousin, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Well, I mean, all of the all of those things sound, sound great. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, there's a ton of stuff that we're going to be doing this year to try and encourage people to, you know, take people, take take a friend, take a kid, take your kid's friend to, to your local hobby shop and experience it. Because experiencing it in a good hobby shop is honestly like probably the, the best way you can experience it. Um, I would honestly say like just patience would be, would be awesome. Because like I said, I mean, I know... Uh, I'm sure people who listen to this are like, yeah, it's this 
fucking British guy who doesn't know anything about cards telling us that making cards is hard. Um, <laughs> but it really is hard. And like, I, I, I get to do the easiest part of all of it. And, and, and actually having this conversation has made me realize we actually, uh, I'm going to figure out a way. We'll go make some content down at the factory so people can see how ridiculous it is um, and how impressive it is that, that, that we even get this stuff done. Um, but I think, you know. And because cool Julio was there with you. And so it, Julio sort of sees how you make one of his <laughs> relic autos, relic cards or one of his autos, right? And kind of have it work, walk through. Compelling. Yeah, and so you guys are going to pay his appearance fee. That's cool. That's, that go. sounds great. Done. What is it? Easy. Oh, done. Done and done. Oh, we make um, the big bucks. No problem. And uh, we'll take uh, it out of the fanatics fee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'll just say, you know, the people people here are, are, are really um, are really trying, and I know it's a very unique circumstances and a really kind of weird time when a company like Fanatics comes into a space like this. And, you know, this is definitely not um, new territory for me. It was the same with, you know, things I've done in the past. And it is and it is strange. But I think genuinely, like, the biggest thing that anyone here wants to do and the thing that we talk about every day is making it the best product we can for collectors, making the best experience we can for collectors. And if we do that, the rest of the things should fall in place nicely. It's just those things take time. So. Please continue giving us feedback. Um, please be nice to each other in the comments, because mm -hmm. just you know, there's enough there's enough hate in the world. Just let's just be nice to each other in the comments in general. It's a good Touch one. Comments, anyone else's comments, your guys's comments. Let's just let's just all be nice to each other. We, we've built a, co a cool community where they understand that debate is not synonymous with being an asshole. Two right. quick things because that you kind of like. Does the insane salaries these guys make kind of hurt the card industry? And what I'm thinking is like – Are you talking you, about me or are you talking about who? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. the athletes. <laughs> because I'm sitting here thinking the cards are the best thing for the athletes. It's it's basically free marketing, almost negative spend marketing where people buy and they're, you know, they're marketing Julio. But does he need the money? So like are these high salaries that athletes get? I think it's a very different time to to the you know 80s 90s um just in sports in general right so if you look at the landscape of of sports marketing as a whole athletes these days and a lot of this i think is fantastic they have a, a bunch of different ways to to grow their own brand and grow their own business um outside of the usual traditional lanes right so they a lot of the a lot of people that I've worked with. This was actually what I did before I came to Fanatics. Start their own businesses. They might be super passionate about apparel or furniture or skincare or whatever, and and they decide they want to start their own business and they can raise money and they can do that and they can generate good income from that. Dame Lillard owns a, de a car dealership, a Toyota dealership, where you live in Portland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and so there are a bunch of different ways for 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 athletes to 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 make money and i think that means that um actually our job is is to kind of help them uh see that this is something a little bit different and that uh and actually one of the cool things for me has been to see and there's no no bullshit like 
these these athletes are psyched to see their own calves. I am yet to see anyone who is not like a little kid on Christmas when they see their own calves. And and I think that's the that's the magic of it. So so you know, yeah, they have a bunch of things competing for their attention and their time, but um it still doesn't change the fact that the stuff is cool and and nearly all of these people are still fans like the rest of us right and a lot of them collect and a lot of them you know they may collect cards they might collect other stuff but like they they love it too and um so it, it definitely has made it different because you know if you're julio julio's got a, a youtube channel and uh you know that that he you know he could he could build a whole business around that i guess the flip side for us is is actually also we get to say well cool you you have this youtube channel we're making some great stuff. Do you want to like have that be part of the, the thing that you're building on YouTube too? It's just about finding different ways to to work with them and to to build the relationship. And but mostly, I've only seen pe- people excited. Now, do does anyone want to sit down for four hours and uh, you know sign five thousand cards? I don't know. Maybe that's something you guys should try on, on the podcast. Only if they understand that there's exactly. a kid on the other side. And this is going to be a big thing forever. Last point, I'll, I'll open it up for both you guys to give your opinion, then we'll wrap here. Uh, I come from retail. So, like, you, you're sitting here saying it, it's really hard to make cards. It's really hard to survive mm. in retail, right? Yeah. And you walked into a hobby shop and you left. No one even talked to you. You're like, this is not the experience I want. So, there is opportunity, is how I heard that, in hobby shops. But I think they also need support from fanatics yeah. to survive. Yeah, and there are a bunch of things that, uh, you know, some of this is in my world and some of it isn't. But, like, you know, the the teams worked really hard to to build better kind of direct relationships with hobby shops so that um, they're able to kind of build their business more sustainably. We did a huge program in, in the back end of last year, the MVP buyback program, where, you know, that was really – honestly, just to drive people into, into hobby shops. And um, a, a lot of people were like, what the hell are you going to do with all these Aaron Judge cards or whatever? But like genuinely the, the, the intention was like, how do, how do we get as many people as possible into hobby shops during this this time? And then also if you look at um, uh, what we just did with series one, which you know people may have seen some of this, they might not. Um, we organized a bunch of really uh, great activations and, and like in-store moments with with some of the big stores, we'll do more of that moving forward. Um, we produced a, this is when I'm gonna get, I'm hoping you're gonna get like retail nerdy with me now, but like we produced a really great, um, uh, in our marketing BS world, we would call it a toolkit, but basically like in-store um, posters and like uh, cardboard cutouts and display units and and things for people to give away we produced a bunch of stuff for hobby yeah, shops like to give away to anyone yeah exactly so you know we we made a bunch of that stuff to help you know just to help hobby shop owners you know make the experience of going and buying series one a bit better and we're definitely going to do more of that um so yeah we we definitely we it's a a big focus this year and and something that my team spends a lot of time thinking about is how we're gonna how we're gonna make the experience um better and how we're gonna work you know hobby shops are just a massive part of that so what can we do to help them it's it's our yeah definitely our duty to do it cage i'll I'll give you the final word but to me it's it's it has to be a mutual relationship it can't just be Mm -hmm. one-sided like 
you if you're a hobby shop and you're still sitting when customers walk in, it's unacceptable. Like you have if, if you don't have digital kind of, you know, if you're not, sh- there's a million different ways I could r- rattle them off right here, but you have to also as a hobby shop evolve with the times yeah. and work with with uh, fanatics on this. Cage, take us home, my friend. Oh, I think you're right. Um, and and I think Ben nailed it. Um, there's going to be different levels. There's going to be the levels of everything. Fanatics is going to have to balance the scales. It's going to be a tough one. You know, it's like you used to watch the you know the variety shows where they're spinning the plates. Fanatics going to have to do all that, right? And one of the spinning plates is going to be what to do with with LCSs, right? It's it's what to do with the products. It's what to do with the 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 you know the, the, the content relations. creators, the athlete relations, get the redemptions, the whole nine. You're one of them. What is spinning? How many how many there. plates is Ben spinning right now? He's got a lot At of least, plates. His yeah. head spinning. The whole fart and church thing. He's still he's got to go back and be like, yeah, I can't believe what this guy said. He said he Rubens over here farting. What a psycho! I mean, it's like it's crazy, right? So, but any event, just wait. This, go ahead, go ahead, Ben. I was gonna say, off, when when we go off there, I got <laughs> I got stories about the nice. guy that I there used to work with. This there is, you, go. you guys are. This is you should this throw is it out breakfast. there. Then. This is easy. What, I like what it. I'm most English about from a product standpoint is basketball internationally. And I don't know if we've seen yeah. this the ch- the changing of the tide, but if you look right now in the NBA, the best players are actually international, and yep. that's that's really interesting and compelling. Embiid, Jokic, Luca. So, uh, Giannis, my apologies to you. I'm really excited. Ben, we'll have to have you back on. Guys, yeah, go, to your LC- go to your LCS. Check out the amazing content. He from still Pop. wants to come back on. I love it. Yes. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, AC, ben. thank you for setting this up. AC's Luka the Nation. best. Hope you enjoyed it. Leave your comments. Uh, let us know some questions we might have missed from asking. Let us know Ben's thoughts. Uh, you guys always share kind of what you think about this. So, we appreciate you. With nearly 40 years as the most trusted resource for collectors, dating back to the first Beckett magazine in 1984, Beckett has been the brand that bridges generations of the hobby. We're happy to be partnering with Beckett and look forward to keeping you all updated on the big things happening at the company in 2023. Beckett, it's the name you know and the name you can trust.